check. Today's uh, scripture is Psalm 68, verse 5. <clears throat> it says, Father of the fatherless and protector of widows is God in his holy habitation. God settles the solitary in a home. He leads out the prisoners to prosperity, but the rebellious dwell in the parched land. Amen. All right. Thank you, Brother Danny. All right. Uh, before I begin my message today, I want to introduce you to, to um, a missionary that we support here at New Philadelphia Church. She's a missionary to Iran. She has a big heart for uh, the Muslim world, in particular the nation of Iran. And her name is uh, Sophia. And uh, our God is a God of the suddenlies. Amen? Amen. And uh, God suddenly worked in her life. And uh, this past summer, she got married all of a sudden. So, uh, Sophia, as I met him, and he has met quite the catch. Um, and so I'm going to welcome up Sophia and Joshua up to the stage right now. Come on up, guys. All right, you guys, this is uh, Sophia. Uh, she was uh, uh, based out of uh, England for a while, just doing uh, a lot of ministry with Elam Ministries, uh, just reaching the nation of Iran, praying for the nation of Iran. And this is her husband. He has an English name. His name is Joshua, but he's actually Iranian. All right. And uh, <laughs> Joshua, Joshua's guy, he's on fire for the Lord. And he... he He's, uh, he, he speaks English very fluently, so he understands everything you guys say. And, uh, and, and uh, man, I was just hearing his testimony of how he got saved. And, man, I'll tell you right now, God is alive in Iran. I mean, God is, don't let the politics fool you. I mean, God is moving powerfully among the Iranian people. All right? And there is just a, a great dissatisfaction right now among the nation. Uh, with the current uh, political leaders, and they, they really want change. They really want transformation. Uh, I'm going to give uh, the mic to Sophia and Joshua, maybe just share uh, just a quick few words. And I want to actually invite Joshua back in the future uh, for him to share his testimony, because it's a powerful testimony uh, that I want him to share in the future. But uh, today, they're just going to kind of introduce themselves and just share a little bit about their ministry. All right, Sophia. Hello. <laughs> Yeah, good to be <laughs> here. <laughs> yeah, I'm married now. <laughs> so, marriage blessings upon you. And actually, God called me for Iran, and uh, now I'm half Iranian. So, God is working <laughs> so amazingly in Iran, also outside Iran. So, I came back for Iran 30. And while uh, I met all Iranian leaders inside of Korea, I met Joshua. So we are together, and we want to move together. So we're still in Korea, but I work with Elam, and now also we work with ANI, All Nations Intercessors. So we want to raise a prayer for Iran and all the nations. Thank you. Shalom, my brothers and sisters in Christ. Shalom. <laughs> I, before I, anything uh, that I share with you, I just tell you that I love you. I, lo I really love you. God bless you. Uh, I, am a, I am an example of the fruit of the intercessory prayers of great intercessors. Just I tell you, whatever you pray... Whatever you ask God, God hears, and God listens carefully, and God fulfills. Because of censorship and because of political problems, you cannot see the fruit of the, your prayers. But now, this is just a small example of what you are praying for. God is working. Your prayers are like missiles, land-to-land -land missiles. It goes and... <laughs> And God is doing great, great things in the hearts of the people, broken-hearted people in the Middle East and all over the world. Please keep on praying and be more and more diligent. 
God bless you. I hope to have time later in the future to share my heart with you. God bless you. All right. Church, let me just stretch out our hand toward them. They're going to be uh, here in Korea, continue to do ministry from Korea right now. And uh, let's bless them that they will just continue to get open doors and strategies to really um, transform the nation of Iran, to disciple the nation of Iran uh, with the values and the kingdom of Christ. So let's go ahead and stretch our hands and bless them. Father, we just thank you so much. God, we uh, thank you, God, that you are the God who makes the impossible possible, Lord. You put the super into the natural, God, and indeed, Lord, you compel us to dream big. And Father God, Lord, we dream big, Lord. We dream of a time in 10 years when Iran, oh God, will be a country in which you can travel into and out. A country in which you can see, oh God, revival conferences held where people, oh God, will get healed and delivered and set free and saved where we can see oh god iranian people rise up to worship jesus christ in spirit and in truth oh god and we thank you that god that which we see in the natural we don't trust that we trust your word oh god lord and we believe that god your word oh god lord says that we are to go and make disciples of nations lord and we thank you that this nation is the nation that you put upon the heart of uh, Sophia, but also, God, are upon the hearts of our church, O oh God. And I pray that you'll burn this burden in the heart for prayer more uh, intensely upon our hearts, O oh God, Lord. That even in the near future, people in this household, O oh God, they will go into the nation of Iran. And they will see you do amazing things before their eyes, O oh God. So we just continue to pray for Iran. Give us strategic prayers so that, Lord, we can be effective in praying for this nation. We bless Sophia. We bless Joshua. Bless their marriage and ministry. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Man, you, we got to bring Joshua back. He's got an incredible testimony. Um, and, uh, you know, God's just healing people. God's giving people dreams, visions. I mean, he's just moving, you know. Uh, political and political laws, they can't stop God from uh, going and, and reaching the people of, of Iran. And so, man, I, I look forward to that uh, upcoming week. We're, we're going to invite you back, Joshua, all right? We'll give you the mic. And you're going to share your story, just like you did for me the other day. All right, this is your first time here at New Philadelphia Church. We want to welcome you. Uh, we recognize that it's a little bit um, passionate in here. And if you're not used to going to a church like that, it might seem even a little bit intimidating, a little bit intense. All right? Let me just make an interesting analogy for you. It's like this. It's like you are a Redskins fan for most of your life. <laughs> and you go to Redskins games and you notice it's pretty calm. All right? And it's like, it's like going to your first Saints game or your first Eagles game. All right, and going into the stadium and seeing just people on fire and passionate for their team. All right, well that's what's going on here at New Philadelphia Church. All right, I don't know. All right, I don't know what church you used to go to, oh God. Okay, but people in here they are passionate and on fire for Jesus the King. All right, and they can't help but to show it because man, it is just all up on them, and the Spirit of God is upon them, and so you know. You know, just trying to create some normalcy for what you see and experience here at our church today. All right. This should be the new normal is what I'm trying to say. All right. Hallelujah. Today I'm going to preach a message. <coughs> I've been preaching through a sermon series on the nine core values of New Philadelphia Church. Uh, those nine core values are, number one, is be extravagant 
in worship. Two is freedom is for everyone. Three is father the fatherless. Four is be faithful with the small things. Five is the anointing flows from the top down. Six is roll with the punches. Seven is supernatural is natural. Uh, eight is contempt for the kingdom. And nine is dream big. All right, today I'm going to be preaching the third of our nine core values. And that is father the fatherless. Everybody say that. You know, we live in what is arguably the most fatherless generation to ever live on the face of the earth. I was reading a Newsweek article recently from September 27th, and I read that the number of fatherless kids in America has nearly tripled since 1960. Tripled. Some people estimate that there are some 27 million kids Growing up without fathers in America alone. There's an author named Donald Miller. He wrote a book called Father Fiction. Thank you, Hannah Shuck, for buying me that book. Donald Miller quotes in his book, Father Fiction, that 94% of people in prison are men. And 85% of those men grew up in fatherless homes. Isn't that, isn't that just so, just gives you so much insight into what's really going on in those prisons? Um, for minorities that grow up in drug and gang infested streets, this is how the fatherless epidemic manifests. People get involved with crime, they get involved with drugs, they go to prison. Young boys, they have no clue about masculine, what a masculinity is, they have no idea how a real man is supposed to act. And so they are easily led astray by poor role models that manipulate them to live a life of violence and crime. <clears throat> For people from affluent families, the fatherless issues manifest differently, but it is just as devastating. Some men, they turn to alcohol or sexual immorality to smother the void left by their father's absence. Others, they turn to suicide or they resort toward beating their girlfriends or wives, unable to discover the root of their rage. This is a huge issue going on in the world today. And you know what? Men are not the only ones who suffer from the absence of a father. Women suffer too. And some would argue that they suffer even more. Donald Miller writes, quote, I believe something magical happens when a father tells his daughter she is beautiful, that she is a woman. And that she has a reason to be respected and loved by a good man. If she doesn't get this message from her dad, she will look for it from men who have less pure motives. Women tend to become victims when they grow up without good fathers. Men tend to become oppressors. There are a lot of reasons why people today grow up fatherless. Some are fatherless because their fathers died when they were really young. Others because their fathers were not man enough to stay around after they found out about the pregnancy. Some because parents put them up for adoption or they just literally abandoned them. And many are fatherless due to the high rate of divorce that we see in our society today. Still others, they grow up with a father that is physically and financially present, but is ironically absent relationally. Such people, they feel like they are fatherless. Just as a person that just didn't even know who their father was. <clears throat> How many of you in here would say that your maturation did not involve the presence of a loving father. I want you to raise your hand. If you're like your maturation did not involve the presence of a loving father. Raise your hand if that's you. That's you. You're in this house. All right, put your hands down. All right. If you grew up with a good loving father. How many of you guys actually had good loving fathers growing up? All right, they weren't perfect, but they were pretty good. They were really loving. 
I know I met your dad, Brady. He's really good. <laughs> Brian Wee's dad also, man. He's a, he's a good man. Loving father. <clears throat> now, if you grew up with a good, loving father, God bless you. Be sure to honor and respect them. All right? Whether they're Christian or not. Honor and respect them for the way in which they raised you. But for those that did not, that did not experience this, I'm here to say that there's hope. You don't have to be trapped into the condition and state that you're in. Just because you cannot change your past. Where you cannot change your past, God can change the effects of your past. And actually turn it around for your own good. Now I want to talk about the original purpose for why God created the family. See, when God created the family, He created the family. By the way, the family is God's idea. It's not like some cavemen a long time ago decided, hey, let's get together. I think this is safer. And stick with each other. Alright? God is the one who instituted family and marriage. Marriage is God's agenda. It's not the Republican agenda. It's not the conservative agenda. Alright? It is God's agenda. <clears throat> and when God created a family, He created the family to be interdependent and intimate. The family was where a newborn baby would be cared for, protected, and nurtured. The family was where young children could discover their gifts without the fear of failure. The family was where courtesy and manners would be taught and social skills developed. Which, for some of you, should go back to your families. Learn a little bit more. I'm just kidding. Wow, yeah. I know, wow. Social skills. Some of y'all. That's why it's hard in the 1.5 generation. Amen? Those who grew up 1.5, it's even tougher. Because you got that language and culture barrier. As if Satan didn't create enough estrangement between the father and the son, the mother and the daughter. You got to deal with the culture and language barrier. Anyway. And in establishing the family, God set the mother and father in positions of leadership and responsibility. And then God set the husband as the head of the wife. Can someone say amen? And because the husband is the head of the wife, as it says in Ephesians 5.23, thus the father of the household has the greatest weight on his shoulders because the greatest authority that God entrusts to anyone in the family is the father. That's why fatherless people grow up with a father, it's so damaging because there's so much responsibility and authority that's entrusted to that man. And with this assignment, there are many blessings that the father can release. You can see this in Isaac when he speaks the blessing over his son Jacob. Or later on when Jacob grows up and he has many sons, he speaks blessings over them. And you see the power and effect that it has on their identity and how they behave and who they see themselves as. The father holds this great authority to release blessing into your life. But you see, with the fall of man, there came in two dangers. Number one, the father can abuse his authority. And number two, the father can abandon his authority. So if a father molests his own daughter, that is an abuse of authority. If a father goes out and gets drunk every weekend, or goes off with some other woman, that is an abandonment of authority. And now many fathers, even Christian fathers, well, all the men in here we need to realize is we need to stop underestimating the power of a father. We need to take seriously that which God has entrusted to us. Whether you're a Christian or not, you have that position of influence and authority. You have a great potential to bless and you also have a great potential to wound your children and wife. 
It's not all about just getting the paycheck and bringing it home. A lot more to fatherhood than that. Now, the reason why a fatherless child is so damaged by a bad father or an absent father is because God has designed this role to play a key part in a child's development. In a, a key part in the flow of blessings, joy, and maturity into that child's life. So when the father is not there, if Satan can remove the father from a child's life, that child will not only be robbed of the joys of life, but that child's development will be stunted and the child will be made more vulnerable to all kinds of false identities and evil. And this is what exactly we see going on. I got to hand it the credit, uh, credit over to Satan. This is a very effective strategy to put multitudes of people under bondage. You put the children on the bondage, you put the wife on the bondage, you put the man on the bondage. Just attack the family. It's the most effective strategy Satan's been going at ever since the Garden of Eden. You see this in the TV show Heroes. In the first season of Heroes, you have a gentleman named Siler. And he goes around using his superpower to saw people's heads in half. And then, I mean, and then, and then kill them. Well, they, they, they die usually when you saw their heads in half. And, and he goes around killing other people with superpowers. And what he does is when he, when he looks in their brain, there's something he takes and then he's able to get their superpower. Anyway, Siler is a cold-blooded serial killer. And what we see if you watch the show is Siler has father issues. Siler is fatherless. Siler's got the orphan spirit all over him. And what the producers of the show... They're doing is they're using fiction to explore a very real problem that's motivating real serial killers today. People don't go around killing people overnight. They don't go to some internet site and think, wow, this is a great idea. Let me try it. All right, this is years of going without the presence of a father or dealing with the abuse of a father that drives people to do these kinds of insane things. <coughs> Satan has been relentless since the Garden of Eden in going after the family. And if you think about it, Satan, he's still constantly getting men to commit adultery. Why? Because when the man commits adultery, it's not just hurting the wife and the children. It is also bringing a disconnect in his heart from the intimacy that he's supposed to enjoy with his wife and his children. Whether you like it or not, whether you sleep with a hooker or a mistress, the moment you experience intimacy with someone else sexually, you, you will get a disconnect in your intimacy with your real wife. So Satan uses adultery. And he tells people it's okay to cheat. You have hormones. You have a sexual drive. It's better for you to, to, to just cheat and deal and, and fulfill those drives than it is for you to just be sexually frustrated and, and, and venting in other ways. And Satan deceives men. But I'll tell you right now, make no mistake about it. Adultery has everything to do with divorce. Adultery has everything to do with marriage. And the Bible makes it clear. God makes it clear. He says, I hate divorce. The Bible says what God has joined together in the book of Genesis says, let, let man not separate. The two will become one flesh. And so the Bible says, quoting that verse says, what God has joined together, let man not separate. You know, we, we as the people of God, we got to wise up and we got to keep Satan from trespassing on our families. If you can get this sexual sin and turn it into an adultery issue. What you really have going on. Is you have a marriage issue. And you, soon you will have a divorce issue. And then you have a fatherless issue. <clears throat> now to be fair. Everybody. Not everybody who grew up without a father. Is messed up. Insecure. And lacking emotional health. 
But the connection is very real. It cannot be understated. Now, if you grew up without a loving father and you want to take steps towards your wholeness, one thing, one place that you got to begin is you got to say to yourself, I needed a father. I needed a father. That's where you got to start. If you grew up without a father, you got to start from the place where you say, you know what? Something was taken from me. Something good, something essential for my growth and development was stolen from me. I needed a father and I didn't have one. If nobody told you this, right, let me tell you this today. His absence hurts you. I don't care if he was physically present, if he was emotionally, relationally absent, his absence, it hurts you. Just because you made it without your father doesn't mean that you didn't need him. A lot of people will say, man, I, I made it on my own. I didn't need that dude in my life. I didn't need, who were, I didn't need him in my life. And it's, it's a lie. It's a lie of the enemy. It's, it's you looking down on and discounting the wounds and damage and, and hurts you've experienced. So you don't have to really deal with it. If it's not real, then you don't have to deal with it, right? But it's, it, is, it is a lie. <clears throat> I'll tell you how I know that you needed a father. It's because God created you to need a father. It's God's design. And so if your father wasn't there, that means your father failed to meet that need. Your father failed you. It's good to show grace to our fathers, but before we hold out that grace, we must call it for what it is. If he acted selfishly, he acted selfishly. He behaved wickedly. He abandoned me. He abused me. We got to call it for what it is. Just because you found out that he didn't have a father and it was perpetuated back to you. Oh, I have compassion now on my father, so everything's okay. When people tell me that stuff, I say, man, you got a long way to go. Because you are living in denial. Look, you got to call it for what it is. If he abused you, he abused you. We got to confront our fatherless selves. And we just got to be naked and just look at it and deal with it. Now, once you face up to the damage, it is then and only then that you are ready to take the next step, which is the forgiven from your heart. You may have forgiven him already, but the deeper the revelation of the damage that he did to you, as that gets revealed, the deeper the forgiveness will need to go. Or you'll just find yourself forgiving him all over again. And I'm here to say that that's normal. Sometimes in God's grace, he doesn't reveal to you the fullness of that damage. Because you can't handle it. He, he just, just shows you a little bit. And then you go, oh man, that hurt me so much. Man, that absence that damaged me so much. This is why I went after these men. This is why I went to these bad relations. This is why I joined that gang. And you see the damage, and then you say, oh, I forgive him. And then five years later, God reveals more damage. You're like, man, I thought I was done. What's going on? And you find yourself almost forgiving him all over again. I'm, I'm here to say that's normal. And this is where healing and deliverance ministry helps. You just sit down with trusted leaders. And you just, you just let it all out. As much as you want at that, at that season of your life. You just let it all out. I, didn't, I, didn't, I just totally forgot about this. I thought it didn't even happen to me. I suppressed it so, so well I forgot about it. You know suppression is not necessarily a bad thing. If you try to suppress it all your life it's a bad thing. But suppression for a child is a good thing. It's God's grace. Because sometimes th- some things that children go through are so horrible without suppression. 
they wouldn't, they would have killed themselves long ago. And where God in His grace may help you actually deal with something by suppressing it, when you become an adult, when you get spirit filled, when you start walking with God, God says, all right, you need, it's time now. We need to bring it back up. But look, you ain't gonna deal with it alone. I'm here right here with you. We're gonna get you healed. You know, others, they feel the need to forgive. They're so angry with their dads, but they don't want to. But you know what? I'll tell you right now today. If you want to be released fully from your hurts, if you want to be released fully from the hurts your father caused, you must release him fully from the faults and failures that you hold him responsible for. Let me say that one more time. If you want to be released fully from the hurts your father caused, you must release him from the, fully from the faults and failures that you hold him responsible for. In other words, what I'm saying is, your forgiveness is connected to your healing. If you don't forgive, it's just delaying your healing. But the more you forgive, the deeper your healing will go. The healthier you'll get. The insecurities start melting off. The fears. The rage. You go out on the basketball court and there's rage. Where is that rage coming from? I'm getting convicted right now. (laughs) (coughs) Well, mine isn't in the basketball court. Mine is behind the steering wheel. Where is this road rage coming from? It's rage. Stuff like that. It just starts to melt right off of you as you go deeper in your healing. And then after you forgive your father, it's wise to also confront any negative or dysfunctional patterns that you picked up over the years. Patterns you've picked up because of your reaction or your overcompensation for your father's abuse or absence. Those patterns, they need to go. They're hurting you. You need to identify them, renounce them, and start setting new patterns. Good habits. Good patterns of thinking and behavior in your life. Behavior and patterns that are based on the word of God. Now, some people think the best way to avoid becoming like their father is to constantly remind themselves, I'll never become like my father. And then your mama reminds you, you know, you're just like your daddy. You're acting just like your mother. Don't you hate it when parents do that? Man, that's the devil, man. That is a demonic spirit working (coughs) to try to discourage you and, and try to make you despise your father or your mother. I'll tell you right now, some people think this is the best way to to avoid becoming like their mother or father. But I'll tell you right now, this is a stupid strategy. Because you become that which you behold. If all you do is behold the negativity of your father, the failures of your mother, you know what? Guess what? You're like trying to run away from it, but you got your eyes the whole time on that thing and the gravity of it and the the ancestral curse, whatever binding, spiritual binding of that curse... You find yourself doing exactly the same thing your father was doing. Beating the wife. You find yourself doing exactly what you despise your mother for. Getting involved in an abusive relationship. You become that which you behold. The better strategy, brothers and sisters, is to behold the face of God the Father. And to admire and honor men and women of God that have come into your life that have manifested the heart of God the Father to you. When you behold those things, now you got a role model to start to change yourself toward. So let me tell you, switch up your strategy if you've been doing that. <coughs> Brothers and sisters, I'm here today to tell you, no matter what your experience has been with your father, your earthly father, the good news is, The Bible says God sent his only son to die on the cross so that a way can be opened up for you to have relationship with a perfect father. 
with a father that dwells in heaven. You see, when you become a Christian, God sends his spirit into our hearts to continually remind us for a lifetime that we are children of God. Because you don't need one reminder, you don't need ten. You need a lifetime of reminders and promptings and assurances and affirmations. Just like Stuart Smalley used to do in SNL. That's what the Holy Spirit does for you every single time that you start to get identify with a false identity. The Holy Spirit says, that's not you. Stop behaving that way. You're not a pervert. You're not, you're not a cheat. You need to start, you need to start identifying with yourself and perceive yourself as, as heaven sees you. That's what the Holy Spirit does for a lifetime. Romans 8, 14 and 6, 14 through 16 says, All who are led by the Spirit of God will be called sons of God. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The, the reason you even have the boldness to call God Abba, Father, is because the Spirit of God gives you that boldness. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Satan is always trying to discredit that witness. But if you are a Christian, the Spirit of God will not leave you. He will not leave you alone. <coughs> if you are a Christian, you are a child of God. I want everybody to say, I have a perfect and loving Father. I have a perfect and loving Father. He's my daddy. Some of y'all aren't used to that. Like, daddy. Because you, you didn't even call your, your, your father daddy. I'll tell you right now, man. God's going to invite you into that intimacy. If you're not a Christian, the Lord is calling you today to leave your fatherless state and enter into a joyful, loving relationship with the perfect father. You know, <clears throat> every other religion perpetuates the fatherless disease. Korean Confucian culture perpetuates the orphan spirit. Islam does not view God as a father. And so many men do not view themselves. They don't know who to model themselves after. A lot of Muslim men, they don't know how to be a good father. Because they don't, they don't know the true father. They don't, and the view of God doesn't even include space for them to think of him as a father. <clears throat> Christianity is the only place where you are invited into an intimate relationship with your creator as your father. It's very unique. It's very precious. Jesus taught us to say, our father who are in heaven. He's like, look at this intimacy that I enjoy with the Father. Look, this intimacy is also for you. So let me teach you how to speak. Because your vocabulary doesn't have any room for God as Father. Let me, let me make some vocabulary. I may give you some vocabulary to use. Our Father who are in heaven. If you're covered by the blood of Jesus, then God is your Father. In fact, we read today earlier in Psalm 68. God is Father of the fatherless. And protector of widows is God in his holy habitation. God settles the solitary or the lonely in a home. He leads out the prisoners to prosperity. Hallelujah. He doesn't just lead prisoners to freedom, but to prosperity. Hallelujah. But the rebellious dwell in a parched land. The rebellious dwell in the desert. The, the person with the fatherless spirit and the orphan spirit and doesn't want to deal with it and they just are happy being independent, keeping everybody safe so that that keeps them safe from any more hurts or wounds. Those rebellious, independent people, they're in the parched land. They live in the desert. Brothers and sisters, God is a father to the fatherless. Amen? Amen. <coughs> Even if you grew up without a father and a mother, there are people like that as well. The Bible says, the Lord will take you in. Psalm 27 verse 10. My father and mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me in.
This is what happened to Pastor Dell in his testimony. His mother was strung out and cracked. Father abandoned him. Father and mother. Neither of them were there. But the Lord took him in. Aaron and I, we watched the movie Antoine Fisher while we were in Phuket, Thailand. And Denzel Washington, he directed this film. And it's a true story. Antoine Fisher is an example of a man that was forsaken by his mother and father. Didn't have a mother or a father. All right, but you see the character that Denzel plays in the movie is the character of God the Father. See, what you don't know is Denzel is a spirit-filled, crazy, tongue-talking Christian. And he's got a prophecy on his life. When he was a young man, a prophet prophesied over him that he'd be making movies, he'll be in the movie industry, and every movie he touches will turn to gold. Millions of dollars. And that he would, he would, and, and Denzel in an interview said, man, I feel like I'm not doing what I'm supposed to do. I feel like I'm supposed to be a preacher. But you know what? Like I, I put on my fa- Facebook status, Denzel is preaching every time he makes a movie with biblical values. To a lost and fallen world that doesn't even, they don't even have to align it to Christianity. But all the values and elements of biblical faith is there. And in the movie Antoine Fisher, Denzel plays a character, a mentor, who exhibits the heart of God the Father. And gives him the breakthrough to be healed from all his past wounds. Wonderful movie. Highly recommended. I love Denzel, man. He's a good... He's good. He's good. I know the I know the sisters love Denzel. Hey, Denzel, that's a good movie. I want to watch it again. You know, at New Philly, we're not all about finding people that's got nice families with affluent incomes. We welcome the broken, the fatherless, the orphan, the abused, and the abandoned. Uh, if you got a nice family, you're welcome too. Hallelujah. <laughs> but we don't turn you away, you know, because you have poor social skills or because you seem a little bit awkward and odd. Because what's re- what you're really doing is you're overcompensating for all your fatherless issues. We don't we don't turn you away. We welcome you. We embrace you. Those are the people that we like. Those are people that we love. Hallelujah. Our arms are open because God's arms are open. And if God is a father to the fatherless, as it says in Psalm 68, that we want to manifest that character to a lost and broken world. Amen? When we manifest the heart of the father to a lost and broken world, That's when the world will know that God is alive and that his love is real. It's his people that represent him. So if you come from a dysfunctional or broken family, don't worry. You are not alone. Your pastor is also from a fairly broken family. We're all about healing and restoration here. Amen? Amen. And this core value, father to fatherless, is something that's going to continue to be ingrained in the identity of our church. Now, when you draw near to God the Father, one thing that you will realize is that the call to be with the Father is connected to the call to become a father. Let me say that again. What you will realize is the more closer you get to God... The call to be with the Father is connected to the call to become a father. So the closer and closer you get to God, the greater and greater the responsibility you feel in your heart to be a father to the fatherless. And if that heart's not increasing, I'm sorry, you do not know my God. You need to go deeper. True intimacy with God does not produce consumerism Christianity. 
where we give the least and expect the most. You don't come into church like you go into a Filene's basement or a Ross or one of those shops, bargain shops. You don't come into church thinking like that. Pay the least, get the most for your money. No. All right. If you experience true intimacy with God, your heart will change. Your perspective will change. Whether you are a man or a woman, you are called to become a father. So when I say father, I mean the loving attributes of both mother and father. Because the triune God manifests the characteristics of both genders. Amen? Because if you look in uh, Genesis, the Bible says that we are created in God's image. Man and woman, God created them. That means man and woman's attributes and characteristics, they are all reflected in God. And we are simply a reflectant of his characteristics. We need to embrace it all. What the church needs at this hour is not more Bible study and more conferences. What the church needs at this hour is the loving investment of spiritual fathers. That is what's going to bring forth true and permanent transformation in the body of Christ. Malachi 4.6 says, The Lord is moving to turn the hearts of fathers to their children. That's what we need to see. We need to see a shift. We need to see people's hearts having the heart of a father. And turning toward their, their children, their disciples, their subordinates. <clears throat> what a fatherless generation needs in order to be healed from an orphan spirit is love. You can't just look at a person and just try to cast the orphan spirit off of them. In fact, if you yell at them and say, you orphan spirit, get out in the name of Jesus. All you do is yell at that person, that orphan spirit will go deeper. Why are you yelling at me? You don't like me. I'm, I'm serious. I'm for real. The only way you're going to truly be healed from orphan spirit is to be in relationship with somebody who truly loves you. Somebody that's got a, a vested interest in you. Who's there, who's there for you with, with, in the long run. However, what that long run is defined as. At Emmaus, the long run is one semester. Because <laughs> so, these students are only here for one semester. But that, that one little semester, man... You, you do it with love and put it in the hands of God and God be transforming students left and right. Right, Tigger? <laughs> Hallelujah. What a fatherless generation needs in order to be healed is love. What they need to fulfill their destiny is relationship with someone who believes in them. What they require to come to full maturity is relationship with someone who will not be afraid to affirm, encourage, rebuke, correct, and challenge them as well. And you know, this is an apostolic dimension of the church that God is restoring at this hour. In 1 Corinthians 4.15, Apostle Paul said, For though you have countless guides, teachers, Bible study teachers in Christ, not that Bible study teachers are bad. Uh, if you got 50 students, obviously you, you're going to do so much. You, although you have countless guys in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For I became your father in Christ Jesus through the gospel. So you can see the apostle Paul, his calling to be an apostle included an identity to be a father to the people that he led to Christ. Paul operated in his apostolic anointing. And that anointing, it gets released into the church. And that anointing, <coughs> the apostolic anointing, that dimension of the church, when it's restored and activated, all right, it's not, it's not going to look like just, just being a teacher on, on a Sunday or, or, or leading a Bible study in midweek. It's going to look more like a loving, caring father. There are teachers, and then there are fathers. And what, what the church needs at this hour, they, it's fathers. Not just gifted teachers. But maybe ungifted teachers, but at least they love you. At least they stick with you. Maybe they don't say the wisest and most wittiest things, but at least they love you. They pray for you. 
they buy you McDonald's. <laughs> and a Krispy Kreme here and there. <clears throat> First Thessalonians chapter 2 says, For you know how, like a father with his children, we exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. You'll notice that in this passage, Paul says, We... We exhorted each and every one of you. Like a father with his children. We. Why is Paul saying we? Because he had taught the church leaders that he had trained up. Not only to become teachers, but to become fathers. To not only see themselves as people that just know the Bible and and just want to impart that knowledge. But people that are invested in the healing and the wholeness of a person's growth, maturity, journey, spiritual journey. That's what the apostolic dimension of the church, that dimension includes being a father. And and God is restoring that at this hour. We need teachers, we need leaders (coughs) to serve not with positions and labels of leadership, but with the heart and investment of a father. That's what we need at this hour right now. Now, I was Skype video chatting with Pastor Dell on Friday. And he said that every son longs to be fathered, but not every father longs to be a father. It seems like nobody wants to make the investment of a spiritual father. We need to raise up not just leaders, but spiritual fathers. End quote. And I come in agreement with him. He said three relationships that you always want in your life. Number one is a father mentoring you. And um, in my own experience, Brother Michael has served that role when I was a college student. And more recently, I feel like God is calling me to pursue a relationship with a mentor. Pursue a relationship, submit myself to a spiritual father. And so I'm looking into that right now. And I'll announce, you know, who that person is and what roles and what implications that will have. But it's going to happen real soon. I'll announce that when it's ready. But I feel like God's calling me, you know, Christian. You're not 95 years old. Okay? You, you have people that you can look up to. I want you to go find them, submit to them. Let them speak into your life. Let them correct you. Let them rebuke you. Let them rebuke you because Doug Kim is not going to rebuke you. But a spiritual father will. And you better not rebuke me. Well, I will rebuke you, brother. <coughs> That's out of place. Anyway, number five, uh, number one, three relationships you always want to have in your life. One is a father mentoring you. Two is a brother walking with you. And three is a son you take under your wing. One is a father mentoring you. Two is a brother walking with you. And three is a son you mentor, you take under your wing. <coughs> Even in Korean culture, you, you have that dynamic already with the Hyungs and the Dongsengs, the Hubes and, Hubes and the Sundays. <coughs> you take people under your wing. You need an Elijah to mentor you or a Paul to mentor you. And then you need like a Barnabas to walk with you. Like for me, that's like, I think Pastor Paul is like, is like a Barnabas to me. He's like walking with me. Alex Lim, he's like walking with me. John Michael, he's like a brother walking with me. And then we need sons that we invest into. Sons that you will take under your wing. <coughs> and whether Marcus... Likes it or not, he is under my wing. <laughs> All right, I disciple that boy out of darkness into the marvelous light. I've been building up that homie. I've been training him. He's under my wing. And I, I know I'm not that good at being a spiritual father. I'm still, I'm still growing. I'm still growing. And I'm, I'm thankful that God continues to use me, even though I'm not at a place of full maturity in this area myself. And I, 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 I'm still learning. But God still uses me to father Marcus. You know what? And, and, and that's what I do. And you know what? In one sense, I do that for a lot of you in here. Especially people that are just so hungry. You know? I end up informally mentoring you. Informally serving as your spiritual father. And it's okay for you guys to look up to me as a spiritual father. <laughs> but it's not okay for you to think that I can do a private appointment with all of you in every single week. Of the month. I can't. There's just too many of you. 
I got two campuses here. <coughs> but we need these three dynamic, dynamics of these three relationships in our lives at all times. John 10.10, 10, Jesus said, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. There's a blogger named Seth Barnes, and he said, we have a moral obligation to give out of the abundance to those who feel orphaned. God hearts, God's heart breaks for orphans of all shapes and sizes, and he has chosen people like you and me to be his instrument to give them the love that they yearn for. As a Christian who is enjoying the abundant life, you have an obligation to give out of that abundance. You are blessed to be a blessing. You are blessed to be a father to the fatherless. God has called us to be a father to the fatherless. And I'm going to close with this. This call to father the fatherless. Yeah, turn off the screensaver on here. All right? Okay. This call to be a father. I, I love you, bro. <laughs> Build you up, baby. Now, I'll take you out for lunch soon. Hey, man, you've been real faithful, man. I'm going to take you out for lunch. Our, our brother John Westfall, man, has been so faithful. When you are absent, he's the reason you get a podcast. Now, I believe this call to father, father is, is not limited to within the boundaries of the church. We need to take the power of spiritual fathers outside the four walls of our church. Amen? I mean, people in church are not the only fatherless ones around. There are countless people out lost um, living in the world that are just longing for, they're desperate for the love of a father. And we are the hope to a lost world. Pastor Benjamin said it like this. He said, there's no one better qualified to disciple the CEOs, politicians, and entertainers than the disciples of Jesus Christ. We need to see ourselves in that light. We got something to say. We can see a dramatic drop in drugs Alcohol abuse, violence, suicide, abortion. If only we as a church will rise up into our role as fathers. We will see society change. We'll see culture change. So are you fatherless today? If you, if you feel like you're fatherless and you're struggling with an orphan spirit, my question today then is, will you stop being independent? Will you stop putting up walls, keeping people from getting to know you? Will you stop hopping around different churches at the first sign of rejection? Or at the first sign of hurt? Will you let people speak into your life? Will you seek a mentor and give that person permission to keep you accountable? Do you want to be free from that orphan spirit or do you want to continue to nurture it? It's the question I want to pose to those who feel like they're in that place today. For those who have experienced the love of the Father and you are at a place of maturity and wholeness, my question then today is, will you father the fatherless? Will you pray for someone's healing and deliverance? Will you share the gospel and lead someone to Christ, but not only stop there, but continue to speak into their life so that they grow from baby Christian to maturity? Will you regularly affirm someone in their identity, even if it feels cheesy to you? You are a great singer. You play the guitar well. Will you love and invest in someone, even when there's a chance that they won't immediately love you back? Can you get over your pride? Swallow it. And love. Will you have the courage to challenge, correct, confront, or rebuke someone you've taken under your wing? Brothers and sisters, this is the third core, third of our core values at our church, and it's one of the most important ones. It is Father the Fatherless. I pray that at our church there will be a culture of people. 
that are led by the Spirit of God. The Bible says those who are led by the Spirit of God will be called sons of God. But let me tell you something right now. Good sons, they mature on to be good fathers. So if you're truly filled, truly led by the Spirit of God, then I charge you, father the fatherless. And all the, all the spheres of influence God opens up for you. All right, let's pray. Father God, we just thank you so much, Lord, that you are a father to the fatherless. Father, we thank you that God, when we were going our own rebellious way, you sent your son, Jesus, to die on the cross so that you can bring us under your wing. And under the shadow of your wing today, we rejoice, God, to know you and to have you as a loving father. What a thought that the creator of the universe, the God who cannot be contained by the infinite size of the universe, chooses to dwell within our hearts. Thank you, God, for the amazing good news of your son, Jesus Christ. And I pray that this core value would just be burned into the spirit of every person that is a member and leader of this church. God, cause us to love. To love even when it hurts. Maybe continue to love, believing that love never fails. We just thank you. We praise you, Lord. May many fathers be raised up here in this house. In Jesus' name, amen.